Flushing girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a podcast about the nanny. What's that? Well, it's a show from the 90s starring Fran Drescher, and we're re-watching every single episode. This week, we are here on Season 4, Episode 15, The Nose Knows. I am Shondi Pasquale, here with... Toria Sheffield. That's right. Hi, Toria. Hello. Hello. Good good morning, everyone. (laughs) this is or, the episode. Whoa, oh no. <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say, or whatever time of day. Happy oh, whatever day. T- yeah, maybe you're in rush mm-hmm. hour, serious right now, and you're like, I just need to hear the nanny show to <laughs> calm my nerves. Um, this is the episode where Fran gets upset with Maxwell when she finds him making out in the living room on a date. So she goes to her therapist, and then her therapist is like, um, you're treating him like your husband rather than your boss. It's a really weird summary for the episode, but that's basically what happens in it. Uh, and surprisingly, it's pretty good. It was written yeah. by Rick Shaw, which I still maintain has to be a fake name, um, with the story by Suzanne Gengerski, and it was directed by the great Dorothy Lyman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I actually totally agree in that at first, I don't think I was going to be sold on the episode based on just like the I am. BD or like HBO description because I was like, oh, this again, like we've had the Maxwell, Fran dancing around their feelings for like a month at this point. But they they used they did it in a creative way that added some new characters and elements and situations. So I, I thought it was a great way to actually um continue this emotional plot line without it getting boring. Yeah, I, I you know I felt the same way as you. I came into this episode going, I don't know, another one. Um, but it, it ended up having some some good scenes mm-hmm. uh, and some real treats. Up, yeah, some real treats, and then it ends with a a major, major, major moment in nanny history and mm-hmm. a pretty big tease about where the show is going to go from here. So um, let's yeah. dive in, Toria. Tell us uh, how this episode goes. Okay. So we start with Fran and Niles. They're home on a Saturday night watching TV because neither of them have social lives. Um, Niles, not by choice. Fran, a little by choice right now because <laughs> she's in therapy and she's trying to like not focus on men. And she actually – so she's in like, you know, her curlers and like a bathrobe and it's really cute. She ends up falling asleep and he tucks her in like at the end of the movie, like puts a blanket over her and goes upstairs it's and- not a movie, to be fair. They're watching the good <laughs> they're watching Bryant Gumble's goodbye episode of the Today Show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which was so funny to me. What I you know what I want men to do and I forgot? I wanted to know when that episode of the Today Show aired and compare oh. it to when the, this episode of the Nanny aired. Um, because I was like, how quickly did they write that joke and get this up, you know, for that to be a relevant joke? Actually, I can do that right now, probably. Brian Gumble. I'm already doing it. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, you, you're, you, you, keep, you have fast vamping. <laughs> I'll stall. Sean's. I will say to everybody, Sean's very good at um, listening or pretending to listen to me while Googling stuff. Um, I can only do one thing at a time. So it's better that he's so, doing this. January, okay. January 3rd, 1997. Holy cow. How yeah. is that even possible? And when was this one? Eric? February 5th. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, they do a, they tape a sitcom in a week, right? So they had they had a Christmas break. They were writing new episodes. This was like a big deal, right? Because he was like the host for a really long time. You know, it's only a an intro scene. So even if they shot it 
last. They had a whole month of January to shoot this opening scene and and write this. So I mean, you know, it was it was timely and it was people were still thinking about it clearly a month after mm-hmm. it happened. That's crazy. That's just crazy. No, I yeah. think in my head it'd be maybe like three months between filming and air, but that's that's incredible. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so uh, they're, they're watching that, uh, and then Fran ended up falling asleep. So, yeah, Niles throws a blanket on her and goes upstairs. So she's on the couch and, you know, kind of like y- y- obscured from view if you come in the front door. Mr. Sheffield then walks in with this, like, blonde woman named Danielle, and they're both pretty tipsy, and they've clearly just come back from some, like, you know, fancy event where they met. And the woman's <laughs> like, ooh, like, Maxwell, like, let's, you know – kiss me and he and he's like ah oh, i don't know I've, I've i've had some you know quite a bit to drink and and he's not like gunning for it like she definitely is like pushing for it harder than he is but he kind of ends up submitting and they start making out fran wakes up she pops up from the couch like in her you know curlers and robe again and she's like oh she's like how could you and it definitely seems like his wife just like caught caught her yeah, husband. Yeah, 100%. Up. She's in like hair rollers and stuff. Yes, I mean, yes. it looks like an angry <laughs> 1950s wife catching her husband yeah. literally kissing someone in their living room. And she and even she, says like, the children are upstairs. Yeah, yeah. And she kicks the woman out of the house and yeah. she turns around and she's like, you better have a good explanation for this, mister. And he starts like, you know, babbling and explaining. And then and something about this I love. He goes, he goes, wait, I don't have to explain myself to you. You're not my wife. And then she literally like puts her hand to her heart and she's like, I can't even process that it was so mean. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the idea that like you can't like can't even wrap your brain around this, and it's like the cruelest thing he could have said is "You're not my wife." <laughs> right when when uh, when like the yeah. cruelest thing that he could have said to her is just fact. <laughs> yes, yes, and. And, you know, she like literally is like threatening to go to back to her Sylvia. She's like, I'm going to my mother's. And then she's like, wait a minute. I didn't do anything wrong. She's coming here and runs up the stairs. And that's like the opening credits. Um, And it doesn't even really establish, I would say, like the plot of the episode yet. It just, you know, it kind of reestablishes where we are emotionally. And then after the opening credits, we cut right back into it. We're at the breakfast table the next day and all of this just escalates like fran she comes in she's nice to everybody except mr sheffield and he's basically like everyone like please excuse me excuse me and miss fine like we we have something to talk about so everyone leaves and she's basically just like you know i i can't believe you did that and he's like you know i don't know how many times i have to say this I'm your boss. You're my nanny. Like yeah. there's literally nothing that I did wrong. And he's like, end of discussion. So she throws a roll at him. <laughs> and, and, no, he and, throws a roll at her. No, that happens later. Oh, that's she, later. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She does. Right. She does. A, shots fired first from France. That's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> and then we cut to her in her therapist's office, which is, you know, Dr. Miller, who we've met before. And she's literally sobbing. She's like Spalding Gray, played by Spalding Gray. Spalding Gray. In fact, sometimes in my notes, I accidentally call him Doctor Spalding instead of Doctor Miller. No, he would be Doctor Gray. You're getting it all wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You're wrong, even in the way you're wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, Um, a double wrong. (laughs) So rare. uh, Old double wrong, Sheffield. (laughs) But so, um, she's literally sobbing. She's so upset that this happened, and. Her therapist is like, you know, Fran, the problem is you're elevating your boss to the role of husband. And so you're responding to this situation as if you're in a relationship when you're not. She's like, you're the nanny. 
he's your boss. <laughs> she's like, oh, it finally just clicked. And then she's like, yep. and he, well, he's like, has nobody ever pointed that out to you before? And she's like, I don't know. When, when you're paying $140 an hour for it, it just really sinks in. Which by the way, I True. wish I could find a therapist for $140 an hour. Oh, yeah, but you got to put that in $1997. I'm just also- saying. Listen, I heard $140 an hour and I was like, uh, yes, please. Yeah, wow. So just like almost $300 in today's money, which is pricey, but actually for Manhattan prices, still not so bad. Um, no, that's about right. Um, but I, I thought though, um, his advice to her, it was really good advice. And oh, because he doesn't just say that about Maxwell. He's like, you know, Fran, it's not uncommon for women to – put the men in their lives on pedestals. Um, and mm-hmm. that's what you're doing to him. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry, he says that later. He says that later. But I thought, at least in this situation, she, he was right. He was like, you're elevating him to husband and you're reacting to him in a, in a misguided way. Yeah. So we then come back to the mansion. Cece, oh, Niles is dusting and Cece comes skipping in. <laughs> and it's revealed that she's so happy because she has a boyfriend. And it's actually that Chandler guy uh, from the other week when she- right. Um, and, the random business guy that popped yes, up, yeah, Chandler, and um, they're they're gonna go to some like big awards show together. Which, like, this is the nineties, and Fr- and Friends is on, so the name Chandler has got to be a very specific pick, right? You know what's so funny? I was just gonna say to you, um, have you ever met a Chandler in real life? No, <laughs> I, that's I never that's, have. That's why I'm saying, like, to pick the name Chandler in the in the late 90s had to be intentional. Like, it had to be like, oh, we'll name him Chandler. People know that name from friends. Like, I, I just don't – it's so weird to me because it's not, like, a common name. It's not like, okay, well, yeah, there were two characters named Steve on a show. And, then, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Chandler is just so specific. I know. I agree. It was an interesting choice. But anyway, so she's in a great mood. Because she not only has a boyfriend, but they're going to this big event together Saturday night. And Niles is clearly displeased. Like, I think he he tries to make it seem like it's just because, you know, he doesn't like seeing her happy. And she's even like, you're just jealous because you have no one. Yeah. But you're kind of like, hmm, like, is jealousy – I mean, is, is jealousy over the fact that he's alone the issue or is it something more? Mm-hmm. Um, Fran then enters from therapy wearing – a fabulous white fur coat. Yes. Um, it's such coat envy because it's getting – it's kind of cold now here even in LA and I just want all those coats. Um, well, and the rest of the the rest of the outfit looked really cool. I liked that one on her. Mm-hmm. It was, like, it was a, like a – A plaid uh, pant and blazer suit. Yeah, but like not an ugly plaid. It looked cool. Totally. On her. She's yeah. been wearing a lot more pants and pantsuits this season. Yes, they – they're not putting her in as like many short skirts, mm-hmm. which is pretty fashion forward. I- I'm liking yeah. it. Um, yeah, I like it. No, she looks great. I think this whole season she's looked really good. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's less. Um, I mean, it's still like bright and it's still you know very um, eye catching, but it feels less gaudy and silly. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so she comes home from therapy and she's like, I've never met a man who understands me more. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, she's now in a very good mood because, mm-hmm. you know, whatever happened with her and Dr. Miller, it clicked. And Mr. Yeah. Sheffield's like, ah, like, you know, you seem pretty cheery. I'm so glad you're over all that unpleasantness. And that's when she's like, well, yes, you know, Dr. Miller and I spoke and he's one of the smartest, most sensitive men I've ever met. And he then Maxwell. is clearly jealous. Yeah, Maxwell yes. is clearly jealous because he's so fucking petty and 
he clearly is like, oh, like I think someone has a crush. And she's like, um, no, I think you're jealous. And then I forget exactly well, how – Oh, yeah. Go. No, no. Go ahead. Well, this scene ends with um him throwing a roll at her head, which yeah. I found a little bit uh, – I was like, you know what? When it's the boss doing it to the employer, it doesn't sit as well. It doesn't. <laughs> or or it the doesn't. employee, I should say. Yeah. Well, she basically turns it around on – she turns the therapy advice around on him and she's like, you know, well, you know, the problem here is you're treating me like your wife and you're actually my boss and I'm the nanny and like – they like kind of butt heads on that. And then she's like, you know, so that's what it is. Oh, yes. Yeah. She, yes. she uses like her newfound therapy speak on him. And then she's like, you need to learn to speak to me. You, you need to learn to communicate to me in a way that I can absorb. And that's right. why he throws the role. Um, but yeah, I agreed. I, it, it was, it was cute when she did it. And then when he did it, it just felt demeaning. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so then, uh, we, so, so it's like, you know, yeah, we we established that she's in a better place and he's – it's not super sitting well to him, though, that she's so gaga over, you know, this Dr. Miller. And then we cut to the uh, to Fran, Val, and Yetta. They're at the movies. They're at the concession stand. They're, you know, getting all – like, literally all the candy. And um, <laughs> Fran orders, like, so much stuff. And meanwhile, Val is eating a fudgesicle. And she goes – she's like, wow, I can't believe you can eat all that. And she's like, you know – Maybe I should go to therapy to help me lose weight. I've tried everything except for diet and exercise. <laughs> and something about that really made me laugh, like trying everything except for diet and exercise. I was like, <laughs> oh, I can relate. Um, but so, but while they're there, they see Dr. Miller, like yes. Fran's therapist, and he doesn't see them. And Fran's kind of like, oh my gosh, she's my therapist. Like, should I go say hi? Da 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 da. Right. And then they see him start to pick his nose, like really dig in. And this is almost like a almost like a Seinfeldian situation, right? Where it's like kind of. she's like, well, it's like she's like, oh my god, I'm seeing this person that I put on a huge pedestal do something really gross. So yes. she, so then he ends up coming over and being like, hi, Fran, and she kind of like press and pretend like everything's fine, but it's clearly like kind of low key traumatized her. And then this becomes a problem which <laughs> this this part felt forced to me like they needed they needed a, a conflict so they like forced the conflict but basically fran or no sylvia is at home with maxwell later and she tries to explain what happened at the movie theater but she does it in the dumbest possible vaguest way <laughs> It basically sounds like Fran was like improperly like touched by her therapist. He's like he, you know, he was using his finger and he was well. Well, basically, so so Fran is so Sylvia's over at at the mansion in the kitchen, and Fran explains the nose picking situation. But she's like, oh, but don't tell Mister Sheffield. Like it'll be too embarrassing because I already put this guy on such a pedestal, and like now now yeah. if he hears this, it'll be like too satisfying for him. Yeah. Fran goes off to help Gracie with something. And then Maxwell comes in and you know, Sylvia's there stuffing her face with food. And that's why she she was basically – he's like, oh, Sylvia, I guess Miss um, Fine is at her therapy session. And she's like, oh, no, she canceled because of what he did to her or of what he did. Yeah. And Mr. Sheffield's like, what did he do? And she's like, well, I'm not supposed to say because Fran thinks you're going to overreact. But let's just say he did something very inappropriate. And, and then he's like, well – what, what do you mean? And she goes, let's just say he put his hand in a place he shouldn't have. <laughs> Which yeah. is 
Which yeah. Is, like, it implies like some kind of like sexual assault. Yes, but but <laughs> Sylvia is oblivious because then he goes, Mr. Chef, he goes, oh my God, I know I was going to do anything about it. And she goes, oh, what can you do? Call the police? They'd have to arrest every man on the New York City subway. Because <laughs> she still is talking about nose picking. Right. But it also <laughs> easily relates to sexual assault. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so Maxwell is like, you know, he's mad, but he also is like, he like goes to comfort her, uh, Fran. Yes, yes. He so well basically that happens between Maxwell and Sylvia, which establishes that he now thinks the therapist like used his position to to touch a woman, which is a huge deal. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, but before he goes to talk to Fran, we cut to Niles dusting in the foyer. And this this made me laugh out loud because Cece comes skipping in again. She's still in this amazing mood because of this new relationship. And um, Niles is like, this came for you. And it's an envelope. And she's like, oh, it's from Chandler. And then she pulls out, she opens it and pulls out some keys. And she's like, oh, look, things are heating up. This must be the key to his apartment. And then she looks down at the paper and goes, dear Cece, you're suffocating me. Here's your key back. (laughs) And it was just, it was such a good delivery of, of like reading something in an excited way and not processing the words you're actually saying. Um, and then she's like, what? He broke up with me? And um, Niles is clearly pretty satisfied. And Cece, though, she now realizes she doesn't have a date for this huge Saturday night event. And so she bribes Niles to go with her for $250. Like, that's how desperate she is at this point. Yeah. And he only agrees ostensibly because of the money. But I think we're all getting the sense that something more might be going on with Niles right now. Yes. Um, and that's when we cut back to Mr. Sheffield, who he knocks on Fran's bedroom door. And he's like, you know, I just wanted to say what your therapist did was reprehensible. And because he really thinks that, you know, she was like, he touched her on the knee or something awful. And and she <laughs> literally, like, the thing that's funny is Fran's like, Oh, thank like Mr. Sheffield. I just don't know how to feel. You know, like she she's making <laughs> such a big deal of this. But I have a question for you though. Yeah. I if you saw your therapist out in the wild and they were picking their nose, I actually do think this would be something that would kind of like it, it would be a big thing if you really loved your therapist and you really put them on a pedestal like that. Or even if you just thought they were fantastic, it would throw me. I I could not care less about someone picking their nose. It would really bother you that much. It's he's so what he had like a booger and he like reached in and he grabbed it. I mean, I don't know. Like, who hasn't put their finger in their nose before? Literally, every person on this planet has done it before. Like, who knows what his situation is? Like, I don't know. I I, this felt. I think that's why I I felt like this all felt very manufactured to me. Is because like it's like so not a big deal, and like I. I get the Seinfeld comparison, but I don't know, man. I I don't um, know. I here's the thing. Because here's the thing. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say I agree with you. It just would throw me irrationally. Hmm. 
I think if he was doing something that affected his job or my interpretation of how he could do his job, because it's not a guy she's thinking. Like the thing with Seinfeld was like he was dating women and then like the woman would do something innocuous and he would be like, I can't date her. And the joke was always that like he's like an incredibly picky like dick basically, Mm -hmm. you know, because women really were never portrayed as at fault of anything. It was always like, dude, what's your problem? Who cares that she, she's a loud talker? Like who gives a shit? You know, whatever. Um, but like it was, I guess, more justifiable on that show because it was like, all right, well, this guy is just like really picky and he's like kind of a dick about like anything anyone does as if he's so perfect. But this was like, how does this affect him as a shrink in any way, shape, or form? It doesn't, you know, it doesn't impact any of that. If 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 the bit had been like he like gives some bad like horrendous advice or if someone's like oh my god we we need a doctor to talk a man off of a roof and he just like went into the movie theater instead like <laughs> like that would have been more like that that like that would have justified more her questioning like his advice well but i guess to the show's credit they dig into this and she is proven sort of irrational and we understand why she specifically does this and i was like oh but i I think i relate i think i would have to sort of like take a beat to be like wait toria you're this is crazy (laughs) like (laughs) but um well anyway but going back to fran's bedroom what what happens is in their conversation we just further entrench the fact that they're talking about two different things Mr. Sheffield still continues to think that the therapist like touched Fran inappropriately. And she just thinks that they're talking through the fact that she saw her therapist picking his nose. (laughs) Or we cut to like daytime, you know, probably the next week. Fran is in the uh, therapist's waiting room. And there's just this funny little beat where um, there's, there's this man there and he's like, excuse me, I just have to say, you're the most beautiful woman I have ever seen. And she's she's like, like, oh my gosh, thank you. What are you here for? (laughs) And he goes, I'm a compulsive liar. (laughs) Yes. It's amazing. And yeah, just so much to the point that I I paused it and made Kyle watch that beat Mm -hmm. because it was just really unexpected. It's Um, a good beat. And then um, while she's in the waiting room, Mr. Sheffield shows up and she's like, Mr. Sheffield, what are you doing here? And he's like, you know, I, I just decided I need to give that Dr. Miller a piece of my mind um, because, again, he thinks that he touched her. And and actually, I for a second, I was like, oh, that's kind of like inappropriate of Mr. Sheffield. But then I remembered like he is paying for the sessions and I do think he has a, a right at that point to mm-hmm. like come in and talk to this guy um, regardless of like whether Freeanne's like an autonomous adult or not. But, she, he, but he's like, well, what are you doing here? And she's like, well, oh, you know thank you for coming, but I, I decided I really needed to confront him about this myself. And Mr. Sheffield, to his credit, then like nods and is like, okay, like that makes sense. So when it's time for Fran to go in for her appointment, he likes, he stands back. Like he doesn't go in with her, which I was like, oh, I, I'm glad. I'm glad he doesn't like try to pull some macho, like, no, no, no. Like um, yeah. once he hears like Fran's need, he he does like, he does. Um, yeah, accept it and and support it. But so- Fran, she then goes in to talk to Dr. Miller and and she sits across from him like normal and, you know, they kind of do a little bit of chit chat and he's like, you seem like a little anxious or like something's on your mind. And she's like, oh, okay. She's like, well, this is going to be a little hard for me to articulate, but um, I saw you pick your nose. <laughs> like, <laughs> the, like, this is just the way she said it made me laugh so <laughs> Like, yeah, she just has literally zero trouble. And again, I was I was like, you know, 
they give Dr. Miller really good advice for Fran because this is where he's like, okay, wait a second. So you're telling me you saw me do this very human thing. Yeah. And now your entire perspective on me and of this process that we're doing together has changed. And she's like, yeah, basically. And he's like, okay. He's like, I think the bigger problem is that, is that like you put the men in your life on pedestals. Yeah. And this is just an extension of that. Like you're kind of doing to me what you do to Mr. Sheffield. And I was like, that's great. I'm so glad Mm -hmm. that like, that first of all, they are showing therapy to be like a, well, they do make the joke that it's like he's just collecting money. <laughs> well, he, but he also is is not. He, no, he, he's not a bad doctor. He is doing good work. Like mm-hmm. in his reaction here, instead of going for the joke or being silly, they play his reaction very real, which is like, okay, but why do you think that? Because mm-hmm. it is an irrational thought. It, it's funny. This actually, this episode is actually like a reverse Seinfeld because they actually dig into like why the main character has this like weird way too high expectation for a human being to not behave like a human being mm-hmm. you know and so so they they have that conversation and then fran comes back out of the office into the waiting room where by the way the pathological liar is um is complimenting <laughs> mr sheffield <laughs> lavishing him with compliments about what a brilliant broadway producer he is i like that part too i thought that uh, was really funny <laughs> um and then uh you know she comes out and mr sheffield's like well how'd it go and she goes you know, it went well. Dr. Miller explained that, you know, he's just a normal man and he had a niche he had to scratch and it's actually very normal, <laughs> which, which when you think that he is talking about like touching Assaulting a patient her. Yeah. <laughs> is awful. So Mr. Sheffield literally screams, what a crock and storms into, into Dr. Miller's office because yeah. now he's like, oh no, I do have something to say. And, you know, he's about to, like, he literally is taking off his jacket because he's going to, like, punch this guy in the face. And then (laughs) uh, Dr. Miller's like, he looks at Fran. He's like, does everybody in your world have this kind of reaction to nose picking? (laughs) And Mr. Sheffield literally, like, freezes. And he turns and he's like, wait, he he picked his nose? And she's (laughs) like, yeah, what do you think he did? And, and he's and like, and he's like, I thought he tried to touch you. And she's like, where would you get that idea? And he's like, he goes, where I get every Meshuggah idea I have from you. And then, and then she, she, he like starts buttoning his jacket up and she turns at, to her therapist and she's like, and you wonder why I, like, why I treat him like a husband because all he does is scream at me. And then they like run out together. It's just like, it was just very dysfunctional, but very funny. Yeah. Um, well, and then we get like a good payoff on the compulsive liar thing. Cause they, walk out of the doctor's office back into the waiting room clearly having been arguing very loudly and the compulsive liar guy is sitting there and he goes i just want to say you guys make a really amazing couple and (laughs) mr sheffield goes who is that guy and fran like takes a beat and then she goes he's a world-renowned a couple's therapist and mr sheffield's like Oh, <laughs> yes. yes. Um, but so, you know, that's how it gets yeah. resolved. But yep. uh, I do and then think we Fran. Get... Oh, yes. go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, well, I do think Fran gleaned some some valuable insight. Um, and then that last scene, that last scene. Big... Button. Woo, woo, woo. So Niles and Cece are dancing in the living room after their big night out together. Mm-hmm. And they're literally in their like evening attire. There's a fire in the fireplace. And he says, I'm glad your little fling with Chandler's over. He was beneath you. And she's like, not anymore. And then they both laugh. And they and she basically says something like, you know, when you're not being awful, you're actually pretty charming. And then she's like, oh, I forgot. And she goes to her purse and she gives him the check. 
for $250. And he literally tears it up and goes, this one's on me. And then he dips her. And like, that's, that's the end. And I I was just like, again, I can't tell if this is coming out of nowhere and happening too fast or if we're just like binging it. And I mean, here's what I'll say. I was really, this whole time I've been very skeptical of this being a thing that's going to work for me, but they have been laying the groundwork this season. They have been having them have like slightly nicer moments here and there. They've been showing how like much they know about each other. And like when we got to the beat, I was like, that's a really sweet gesture. And you know, this is kind of cute. Like I'm kind of into it now. I like, I liked it. I liked this beat and I thought like, Oh, okay. I'm curious to see where this goes. And if they ever dig in any deeper to the whys of like, you know, like maybe there will be an episode where he's like, I don't know. I didn't like her for a long time, but maybe I did the whole time. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? I, I, I agree. And I think we have to remember, like we just barrel, you know, we will do like two a week. We do it every week when you're watching this um, in, in real time, sometimes, you know, you months watch- go by between yeah. seasons and, you know, even like December's usually like they do like a, episode right before Thanksgiving and then they don't come back until mm-hmm. mid-January or, or February even. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I actually liked this beat much more than maybe I would have thought I would if had you told me about it like, you yes. know, a season ago. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, the ripping up the check was a sweet gesture. And, and you know, it's just that, you know, those two actors are so great. Like, I think they can sell anything. I agree. I um, totally agree. And so that is the – oh, one quick thing I'll say about that too is I have really liked the – it's it's not necessarily the softening of CC, but it is like our greater understanding of how desperately this woman just really wants love <laughs> that makes us feel softer towards her. But I, I really love this transition from just kind of like cold Cruella de Vil to like Oh no, she's actually like maybe the saddest character on this whole show and you're almost rooting for her. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've really enjoyed that. But so that's the episode. That is. So that means it's time for segments. <gasps> and now segments. So segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now segments. All right, let's get into favorite lines. Uh, Okay, I I, as I said before, I love when Val said, "Like I've tried everything to lose weight besides diet and exercise." (laughs) (laughs) Um, I like Fran saying in the beginning when she's mad at him, she's like, "I can't believe you did this. I'm going home to my mother," and then she like goes, no, wait, I didn't do anything wrong. She's coming here. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's like the ultimate punishment. <laughs> oh, I, I loved when, speaking of Sylvia, after Fran tells Sylvia, don't tell Mr. Sheffield what happened, and then she goes upstairs, and Mr. Sheffield ends up following her upstairs and talking to her about the therapist stuff. She goes, how could Mel have told you? I left her with so much food. <laughs> the idea that like I can feel confident she'll be busy. Yeah, she'll be, her mouth will be too busy to talk. Uh, I also liked when they were waiting in line at the movie theater and Yetta goes – Fran says, Yetta, turn your hearing aid up this time. And Yetta goes, why? Are they talking in these now? <laughs> yes. Um, also, uh, 
at one point, Fran's kind of talking about therapy stuff again. And she's like, oh, I want to work through the trauma of seeing my parents in bed. And then Mr. Sheffield goes, having sex? And she goes, no, whitefish. <laughs> the idea that you catch your parents in bed naked eating white fish. Um, um, Niles had a great line to Cece too. He goes, ooh, look at you, very 60s. And she goes, it's Dolce and Gabbana. And he goes, I was talking about your face. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, also when she um, at first is like, well, great. Like now I don't have a date for Saturday night. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, what makes you think I'd go with you? And she goes, $250. And he goes, pick me up at eight and buy yourself a corsage. I don't want to look chintzy, which means cheap. <laughs> cheap <yeah. laughs> I love that line. Um, I think that was about it for me. There Same. were some good ones. That was it. Um, we got some good Yiddish, but we've, we've heard it before though. Shmagagi means nonsense. We got Meshuggah, this time yelled by Mr. Sheffield, which means crazy. Um, and I, I just love it again when these non-Jewish characters now like very casually use Yiddish as if they've been using it their whole lives. Me too. It makes me happy, frankly. Mm -hmm. I, I love it. And, and, and I feel like it's pretty accurate. Like mm -hmm. I feel like everyone I've ever known that is not Jewish, that hangs around with Jewish people long enough starts to take their some of the Yiddish slang mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like embrace it. Um, also, I, I double checked because I, I wasn't sure if Chintzy was Yiddish or not. It's not Yiddish, um, but I was like, it could have been as far as no. I know. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, trivia. This is another Dorothy Lyman um, sort of piece of info that we got from that really great podcast, um, which I'm kind of, you know, kind of combing through week by week. If we talk about her enough, maybe she'll come on the show. Yeah, let's just do like a comp we'll, – we'll make a little compilation of all the times you said her name and then send we'll it send her. it to her. <laughs> I'm like, maybe it would work. I think she lives in LA too. That's oh, – come on, everybody. Just – we're all in LA. We're all so close to each other. Let's, let's just, just do let's it. Let's just do lunch. Let's do lunch. All right. Okay. So to hit me with some Lyman facts. So she explained in this uh, podcast the evolution of how – she went from, you know, person who knew Fran Drescher to person who was a uh, full-time director of this show, like literally doing something a little bit untraditional for typical sitcoms, which is directing an, enti an entire season and not just, you know, a few episodes of a season. Yeah. So basically, you know, as I said last time, you know, Fran Drescher knew that she wanted Dorothy to, to direct. She really trusted her creatively. And uh, apparently, Fran Drescher – and I'm assuming Peter Mark Jacobson by extension. Like, they actually really liked consistency and they liked someone who, like, really knew the show inside and out. But the the network was like, well, this person is like an unproven entity. So if she sits for, like, you know, five or six – five months or six months unpaid and just shadows the current director, we will let her direct an episode. And she did exactly that. Like, yeah. she showed up every week. She she took notes. She absorbed. She really took it very seriously. Um, and she wasn't yeah. getting paid. I, I don't believe. Um, and so then at the end of that, she was offered an episode to direct, and it went great. And then uh, when the their usual director, who'd been doing a lot of stuff, uh, decided he wasn't or she wasn't going to continue the next season, that's when they offered Dorothy Lyman like basically the entire next season. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing about that is that. Dorothy Lyman apparently said, okay, I'll do it, but you need to replace the male, like, director of photography and, like, a AD, assistant director, with women because she was like, I had noticed in the couple episodes I directed 
there were these men sitting to my left and right who clearly thought that they should be in the director's chair. Mm. And they made my life hard. And I just knew that like a couple that women like would not do that to me. Um, and she wow. really advocated for women kind of um, being in these apprenticeship positions. And she was like, at the time, there was only nine female directors working in sitcoms. Of all the things, of all the wow. sitcoms on the air, of all the directors out there. So it was actually like, it was a pretty um, huge thing that A, she was directing at all. And then also really cool that she was like, no, like, you know, I don't, I don't need these men like um, clearly questioning my abilities and my right to be here. Like I'll get a couple hungry, ambitious women who are yeah. going to just be a uh, way cooler hey, about this. Why not? Right. I mean. That is pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy to, um, like, it's pretty ballsy for <laughs> any crew member to like shit talk a director enough that they're aware that you're doing it is pretty ballsy and very disrespectful. Yeah, and it could even be like it might not even be direct shit talking. It just might be a lot of like backseat driving or like, oh, I wouldn't do it that way. Or, or yeah. are you sure? Are you sure you want to do that? Like, you know, there's a real vibe that that people give off. But that's um, it's still, it's like I don't know. It's just it feels like that's pretty um pretty egregious to do it enough that someone like felt it. You know? Yeah, but but the thing is, in it's very it's a very very common story for women who were sort of the first in these male spaces yeah. to get that, you know, from all corners. A tale as old as time. A tale as old as time. <laughs> all right. Uh, so Sean, then, Sean doesn't have time for my jokes. I have no week. time for Beauty and the Beast jokes. <laughs> I didn't uh, even get to make the joke. But, oh. <laughs> but um, okay. So then Fran or the CC or the whoever, who did you relate to? You know, this was a tough one. Like, because – None of the things that happened in this episode ha have ever happened to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there was no like, I, I, like there was no emotional through line in any character story that I was like, oh, I can relate to at least those feelings. You know, because mm -hmm. like I don't really get like, I'm not really a jealous person. I've certainly never been in a in a as complicated weird place as these two are. Uh, you know, I, so like, I don't really know. I, I feel like, I guess maybe like, <laughs> I've definitely been CC <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> I've definitely been, <laughs> I, I've definitely been dumped <laughs> and stuck for a date. So I guess CC. <laughs> like excited, like really thinking things are going so well and then getting dumped. Yes. Oh man. I think that's, that's maybe the closest thing, like, like being like, oh, this is going good. And then been like, hey, so I think we shouldn't see each other. Oh, <laughs> oh. yeah. That's great. Um, well, it's funny. I had initially said, oh, I totally related to Val, even though she only had that one line, um, which I've referenced several times already, yes. which is I've tried everything to lose weight except for diet and exercise. Yeah. I was like, oh, it, it just resonated with me, but also like the women in my family where it's like literally while taking a big bite of cake going – I just, you know, I just don't have a good metabolism. <laughs> like that, that just rings very true to like my lived experience with, um, with just like the exact, the frustration and utter, um, horrible irony in life that, uh, it food tastes amazing and exercise sucks, but you got to do it if you 
if, if you, you want live. this other thing. Yeah. Um, but I, it's funny though, because while I said that, while we were actually talking through this episode, I was like, oh, actually, I do relate to Fran on this in that I think um, I could, I, you know, it's like that kind of thing where it's like when you would see the teacher outside of school, like sure. doing something human and you'd be really weirded out by it. Like I think while talking through this, I realized I'd be so weirded out by a therapist doing a very normal thing. Interesting. Because I, right. I do put, I think, uh, certain people in like positions of, of like power or untouchability. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. You should work on that. <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, I'm I don't good. Think so. I don't think so. Uh, and that's that's an episode. I I do want to throw a little teaser out before we leave, uh, and then I'll I'll do all the Instagram, Twitter stuff. But we we got a Twitter response from a fan of ours who said, "I cannot wait for the podcast to get to the episode not without my nanny because I need to know your thoughts on the." And then she pauses and says, less than amazing depiction of Middle Eastern culture. <laughs> and oh. then she, but they do belly dance their way to freedom, which is always my preferred way to break free. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And that, that's at the Sally Parker on, on uh, Twitter. So I, I, I was like, Ooh, my interest was immediately peaked. And yes, not without my nanny is going to be coming up next season. That's a season five episode. Um, towards the middle of the season. And um, yeah, I mean, just looking at the photos on IMDb, it does not look good. Well, because I, you might not know this, but have you ever seen the Sally Field movie, Not Without, not without My Daughter? daughter. Yeah, I which is, yeah, I still remember that movie. It just uh, doesn't. It's this. Which is, <laughs> it's not a good look for you. Okay. Okay. That's exciting. Well, will, some- you know, we, we'll, we'll do a lot of explaining about how deep into the war in the Middle East we were. <laughs> uh, I will say that's the end of an episode, and we'll see you next week for more nanny shenanigans. Shenanigans, <gasps> if you will. Why isn't that the name of this podcast? Shenanigans. All right. Shenanigans. <laughs> All right. Okay. Bye, Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs> The flashing girl from flushing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine. <laughs>